Thank you, Charlotte, my goodness alive. Can I say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to live next door to you and you're going to teach me how to sing. So, <laughs> Thank you, Errol. Thank you, God, for being here tonight. God. You know, it's, it's quite amazing because we live in a thing called time. We look at our watches and so that's God created time. But we, it's hard for us to grapple and get our heads around the fact that he lives in an eternal dimension and he just created time for us to live in. And, and the amazing thing about tonight, um, it's like I've lived this service before I ever got here. I mean, I, June asked me, I think, I don't know, we talked a lot of stuff, but anyway, I think she asked me, what are you preaching? And I was trying to tell her, she said, you've preached it before? And I said, not really, no. But I have, because I, I have lived it before I got here. So I think tonight it is the, the second layer of what we talked about. You know, layer one was last night, this is the second layer. And I, I hope you understand by the time we go home tonight that this layer had to be in order for the other layers to come. How I many you know, uh, when you count, first comes before second. And you can't count four, eight, six, seven, more. I mean, that's not, you can't do that. If you're going to count correctly, one, two, three. So God has a, God has a plan. Uh, you know, God's not mixed up. God didn't, God tonight, let me give you some good news. He, he's not worried about tomorrow. He's not coming up with a plan. He, 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 you know, the council hasn't met in heaven to go, what are we going to do now? I can tell you before the, the foundation of the earth, the plan was set. Now, he knew my plan. When you got here tonight, wasn't when God figured out you were coming. Do you understand? Before time ever was, God saw you sitting here tonight. I mean, when you begin to see a God that way, it changes everything. It's not a God that's thinking, okay, he's making plans as we move along. Um, you go, well, what, what, what part do we play? We engage and align with him so we get in on his plans. Let me tell you what I want to do tonight, and I'm just, I'm going to go with the flow, I, because I've, I've been here, and I'm going to do my best to walk out what I've been seeing. The first thing I want to do tonight is I want to make some decrees. I think there's power in, in a decree that is from God puts you in alignment with what God wants to do. Now, I want you to stand up, lay your Bible down for a minute. Just, I, I'm going to pray, but I want to pray a little differently. I'm going to pray it in, in a sense of making some decrees tonight. Uh, some of you heard me tell this. A number of years ago, I was, I was preaching in a Baptist church, and a, and a woman died while I was preaching. Well, that'll get your attention. And she's second on, on the second row, and she fell over dead, and and I'm thinking, well, Lord, we preach this, Jeff, but we don't do it. I mean, you know. <laughs> so she, she uh, and I asked if there's any 
doctors, there wasn't any, three nurses were in the service. They came running to her and examined her, and she's turning black already. And they looked at me and shook their head. And the Lord said, keep the people in worship, and I'll raise her from the dead. And, and I, I don't want to get, that's, I don't want to tell that story, but what I'm telling you is for 10 minutes, we sang Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. I've sung it many a time, but I never sung it with them Baptists like we sang it that night. Brother, I'm telling you, you couldn't hear yourself think, June, you talked to her about it. She was there. 10 minutes later, I mean, I had walked over and laid hands on her and others had done the same. 10 minutes later, the ambulance, somebody had called the ambulance. They pulled, and I saw the lights through the window, and I thought, what are we going to do now? And, I, of course, I could see in the foyer, and the ambulance driver come running in the foyer. But about just before he arrived, I looked at the lady, and I saw her eyeballs move. And I knew something was about to happen. Then I couldn't hear. If she had screamed, I couldn't have heard her. Then Baptists were singing, Blessed Assurance. Thank God for the Baptists. Anyway, while, while we were singing, the next thing I saw is I saw her lips move. I read her lips. Her lips said, praise the Lord. Now, she still slumped over like this, but I could see her lips. Well, in just about five seconds after that, and this is a middle-aged woman. I don't know how old she was. She, at my age, everybody's young. But anyway, she, she jumped straight up, threw hands like this right here, and hollered. Praise the Lord. Well, well, now, when that happened, when she did that, the molecules in the room changed. The atmosphere became, and I'm not exaggerating this, the atmosphere in that service became electrified. I could hear what I thought, it frying and popping and cracking. It was that powerful. Now, when that happened, that, that, that ambulance driver comes running in to, to get that dead body. Well, he ran into that glory and turned around and ran out, and he wouldn't come back in. <laughs> I don't blame him. I'm telling you, that, the glory hit that place. Do, do you understand? Now, that level of glory, we could not have sustained that long. We would have just collapsed under it. Was that, it was that powerful. But nevertheless, he wouldn't come back in. And what was funny about it is, is, is uh, she had to go out there and sign a receipt that she wasn't dead. <laughs> but anyway, now I said all I'd say this. I want to make some decrees tonight. I want to decree this. And all I ask you to do is just get yourself in alignment with it. I want to decree that before we go home tonight, the atmosphere in this house will adjust itself to the glory of God. And, 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 and I'm talking about the very molecules in this room, are going to adjust to a kingdom atmosphere. We decree that, Lord, and we decree that what happened in that Baptist church, Lord, we don't want somebody to die so they get right. Lord, we just want your glory to so move in this atmosphere at Hosanna tonight, that when we get in our cars after a while, we can look at our spouse and go, I don't know what happened in there tonight, but I know one thing, it was God. So let it be, Jesus. So let it be. You be lifted up. You be exalted. 
we give ourselves under your lordship and we thank you for what, what we're about to experience in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, can you say amen? amen. Now give the Lord a God bless you and a hand clap, would you? All right. Well, you can be seated now. Got, got that part of, of my heart. Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 12. I'll be there in a few minutes. John chapter 12 is where we will be basically talking tonight about the place of His glory. I can, I just tell you this to communicate. I am sensing um, an incredible anointing already that I don't know if I can make it through all this or not, but we'll see. That's how strong I feel it right now. And, and uh, wow. In the 12th chapter of John, what I want to do tonight, my desire is for the Lord to do what He wants to do. But my desire tonight is for us to come to a revelation of where the glory is. Now, we know it's in the Lord. We know that. We often pray for His glory. God has a way of getting us into that. And now, when you go to the Old Covenant, you'll find the word glory. Often, and these are rather simplistic definitions, the Old Covenant word for glory, it, it simply means a weighty presence of the Lord. I could, I could tell you stories about that, but that would take more time. In the New Covenant, when you get over into the New Covenant, the New Testament, the word for glory is basically the word doxe. It is the manifested presence of who He is, what He has done, and what He is now presently doing. That's the glory, okay? But I often, if you hear me, and June can verify this, I often, more times than not, I go back into the book of Genesis to start, because that's where it started. If you go back to Genesis, if you don't start right, you end up wrong, okay? So let me, let me just take a, a minute or two to bring us to Hosanna tonight. If you go back into Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, you, you, you find... First of all, that Adam, as you well know, and Eve walked in a glory that God had given them. It started out when God said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. And in that, and, and then when he created Adam, he breathed into him. The word there is ruach. He breathed his spirit into Adam. You, you understand and so now Adam and Eve is walking in the garden, and God has now given them dominion and kingdom authority over their world, rule and reign. So they now not only have dominion, they now have authority given by God that the kingdom would go through them and rule, reign, and subdue the entire planet as they knew it. The interesting thing to me is the first Adam. God said this, let us make man, now watch this, in our likeness, an image. He used two words. In our likeness 
and in our image. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is the second point I want to make in chapter 5 and verse 3. Now, already he had two boys, but this was the third one, Seth. And it says this, And Adam had a son in his own likeness and his own image. The word image is the same image used back in the creation of Adam. In other words, now when Adam and Eve sinned, you understand, the image in which they were created in now is marred because of sin. So because of that, now Adam carries a fallen nature, and now he has Seth, Seth, and of course he has Cain and Abel too, but he has Seth in his image. He didn't say in the image of God, because that image has been marred. Do you understand what I mean? And, and so from that point on, every human being in the natural has been born with an Adamic image. Okay? Now, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't want to go to, if you are an Arminian, you probably believe that when man fell, God left enough spark of divinity in him to which God could relate. That's kind of loosely interpreting Arminianism. If you're a Calvinist, you believe that man in the total depravity of man, when man fell, he fell all the way. So I happen, I'm not a Calvinist, I'm not an Arminian, I don't know what I am. All I know is this, I believe when man fell, he fell all of the way, and for God to get man back to where he wants him to be, it won't be some grace, it'll be grace all the way, hallelujah, till we get to glory. Now, Adam, I'm going to get to John 12, Adam could not restore or redeem himself. How could he get back in relationship with God? And how could Adam redeem himself and get back into the glory that he once had? He don't have that capability. He can't die or ransom his fallen nature. But what if, just what if, what if in the divine counsel of God before the foundation of the world, God decided that he would come to earth and wrap himself in flesh? as the second Adam, and redeem what the first Adam lost. Now, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be good news? And so, it did happen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, watch this. We beheld as what? His glory as the only begotten of the Father. Now, somebody said it like this, and I think it was me. <laughs> you know, unbelief, unbelief saw a boy in Nazareth. Faith so the goodness and glory and the splendor of God. Now, so, so here, we're, here was the second Adam. He's walking around on planet earth. Uh, God in flesh. Now, you know, people go, do you think the virgin birth was necessary? If the virgin birth was not necessary and it wasn't, you're lost tonight. Because, because women carry the fallen nature of Adam, but they don't pass it on. Men do, because Adam was the accountable agent unto God for the fall of humanity. As in Adam all died. By one man sin entered in. So you understand. I'm laboring this because you, this is the foundation of what we want to say. So now you have on planet earth, God in human flesh. The second Adam, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Now, when he gets here... <laughs> 
When he gets here in the 12th chapter of John, verse 20. Now he's in, in the height of his ministry and in verse 20. Actually, he's on, actually, I say the height of it, he's on the tail end of it. Now, there were certain Greeks, verse 20, among those who came up to worship at the feast, the feast, the Passover. Then they came to Philip, who was, with, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, now watch what they asked, sir, we wish to see Jesus. We want, that's what the world wants to see, Jesus. Uh, a dear friend of ours, I think it was North Carolina. I don't know if it was the city he lived in or the entire state did a survey uh, about Christianity. Here was the conclusion, a snippet. Here was the conclusion. We have, this is the world. The world said, we don't have a problem with this Jesus. It's them people who call themselves Christians we have a problem with. Now, I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying that to what the survey said. So now they come and they say, sir, we would see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Hmm. But Jesus answered them. Now, how is Jesus going to answer their question? Here's what they asked. Sir, there's some folks looking for you. They want to see you. Notice how Jesus answers the question. And, we'll, and then I'll spend a good bit of time talking about it tonight. Jesus, in verse 23, answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Please underscore the word glorified. It is now time for the Son of Man, the word, the root word is the word glory, the word doxe. It is time for the Son of Man to step into His glory. Okay, let's go further. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. If it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. These are powerful words. I will read another I did not, and now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. What's this? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, let me, let me just ease into this. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul said that we are being transformed from one level of glory to another as a believer. We're being metamorpho, like a butterfly, cocoon to a butterfly. We're being changed into a glory. The glory of who he is, the, manifest, the manifestation of what the Lord Jesus has done, what he is doing and what he will do. His divine presence. We are being transformed into that. But when you look at this, the first thing I want to point out is there is a place to begin to discover the glory of God. And I want to show you where it is. Here's the place. Look at verse 23. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The cross was his final assignment. 
You go, well, no, it was resurrection. No, the Spirit raised him from the dead. Do you understand? The same Spirit that raised him lives in you. So the cross was Jesus' finalist assignment. The cross was the place, the beginning place, to where he would be glorified. Okay, that, that is the final assignment. And, and if you understand what he's stepping into and how we fit into that, then you begin to understand where the glory is found. My, my, what I call my life verse is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. My identity is in his death. I have been crucified. Where is my glory? Where is the glory that's in me, discovered, lived out, walked out, will develop this? It's in my death, not my life. It isn't my kicking and screaming and demand. It is in my death so his life can live through you and me. Therein is the discover of glory. So everything starts at the cross. The second thing, that, that's the beginning. But there's a principle how this thing works. Now watch this. In verse 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. Unless, that's a choice of engagement. The Bible is very clear. Now we're talking to believers now. The Bible is very clear. If I choose to live life my way, I will wind up losing it. I didn't say salvation. I said your life. If you choose to lose it, you'll gain it. It's an amazing thing. Why, why would the Lord say, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies? He's speaking of himself. But he also is referring to everyone following him. Because he'll go on and tell us that. Because in my life... When you got saved, the Jesus of glory came to reside in you. Let me believe that Jesus lives in you. That's not a theological idea. That's a fact. If you can just, if you can fathom that Christianity is not going to church, giving money, singing in the choir, or preaching and teaching or reading your Bible and saying, God is great, God is good. Now, you may do all of that, and that is good. But that's not what it's all about. It's about a divine relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ, that begins with a new birth. Not a, not, not a conformity to what we think religion ought to look like. Unfortunately, people have had the idea, and how many times, you know, people you say, before I got saved... Every time I saw a preacher see me, he said, hey, hey, Doc, will you come to my church Sunday? They didn't know. I didn't have a church problem. I had a sin problem. My problem was not going to church. My problem is my heart was empty, and the Lamb of God wanted to come and forgive me and reside within me. And when he did, I didn't have to go. I got to go. It's like when I married June. I don't have to kiss her. I like to. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, how many of you know guys that are married? It, the next time you kiss your wife and you kiss her and you go, well, thank God that's over. You'll be, you'll be kissing a post by yourself for long because that's not how relationships work. And the more I know her, the more I love her. But the more I know him, the more I love him, 
The more, the, the more my motivation changes, I don't have to now, I get to. And there's something inside of every believer that God wants to, that, you know, like an artesian well, to rise up in glory and splendor in my, out of your innermost being shall roll rivers of living water. So the principle is death and life. Now listen, listen to this. Don't, don't try to turn that. In 1 Corinthians 15, 36, this is what Paul says. I love it. What you sow is not made alive until it dies. Have you died? I'm talking about, I'm talking about have you died to the Adam you were to now live in the glory of who you are in him? It's a choice. That's that scripture. We go back to Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live and I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, you know, when, when I read the early church, for instance, I, I read Acts 2.47 says, and the Lord added, you know, I mean, they had, they had revivals and something and people that get saved, and the Lord added. But it changed in the sixth chapter. Verse 1, starts out, the Lord added. Then it says, and the disciples multiplied. What happened? Where did the multiplication come from? The grain of wheat fell in the ground and died, and it starts to produce. We got too many convenient believers, and not dead ones made alive in Christ. Too many demanded their way and not demanding his way. Now, he said, that's not me. I, I'll leave that with you and the Lord. I did, a little, I did a little just for my own curiosity. When Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. Because the Bible says in Colossians 1.27, remember that? Christ in you, the hope of what? The manifestation of presence, power, and glory is in you. How does it get out of you? The grain of wheat has to fall in the ground and die. It's like, it, it, it's like the two Baptist missionaries were going to some, I don't remember the story now when I read it, was going to some country in Africa. And there was some danger there, and they were interviewing with the Baptist mission board. And the mission board said this, you don't need to go there, you might die. Their reply was, we already have. <laughs> you can't kill a dead man. Come on now. You go out in the cemetery and see who you can kill. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and do, do you know where the glory lies? The glory lies in you, in the ground, dead to him, alive to him. The glory in you came from him, will be expressed through you. You'll begin to discover a totally different life. We got, you know, I, I, we, we, we talk of this often, turn on your TV, and this is, this is a cliche now. I mean, you know, Get what you deserve. If you did, you'd be in hell right now. Every one of us would. Now listen, listen to me. 
Listen carefully. When you got saved, you got saved by grace. You didn't get saved because you did something good enough, long enough, prayed long enough, believed long enough, read enough Bibles, went to enough church. I mean, you could go till you turn green and be lost. You know, and people have the dumb idea, well, God loves me. Yes, they are. And, I, and I've heard this before. And then hell's full of people God loved. It's that they didn't respond to His grace. So even back here when I was lost, I was convicted by the Lord that I was lost and I need to repent, but I can't even repent without grace. I'm not even convicted without grace. I can't even ask Him to forgive me without grace. I can't even get forgiveness without grace. Glory to God. And then Paul comes from again, those who walk in abundant grace walk in an abundant life. Hallelujah. I go, whoa. So where did that come from? When the grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies. The church right now is going to have to do some dying in order to do some living. So let me go a little further. Well, no, I was going to tell you this. I forgot my little agricultural survey. (laughs) One grain of wheat produces eight heads with 40 seeds per head. Isn't that amazing? Then, now watch this. That one grain of wheat planted produces eight heads with 40 seeds in each head. That's three, okay, 320. I think y'all correct my math here. Then 320 grains planted produces 2,560 heads, which planted produces 102,400 grains. And the list goes on. If you plant that number, you come up with 32,768,000,000. You go, that's the way to make a crop. Don't you think Jesus knew that? When he said, if a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it will multiply itself. But if I live for me, you know, I tell, uh, you know, June and I pastored for uh, almost 50 years and Still get to preach to a lot of pastors whom I love. And uh, I, tell, I, I used to tell our folks, there's two lines in this church. When you come and become part of the church, Christ Chapel was the name of our church. If you come, there's two lines. If you get over here in this line that says, uh, I, I am hungry. I love the preaching and I love the singing and I love the building and the air conditioning just right and the sound just right. One day you'll leave. You know why? I preach it ain't what it used to be. Sounds too loud and I like to froze to death the last time I went. Come on now. I pastored too long. I know. It's like a revolving door. Now they'll go to the next place. It'll be the same thing. But you got this other line over here is Lord Jesus I'm hungry. I'm dying to me, and I'm going to live for you. No matter what, I am yours. You can bank on that crowd. Now, let me, t- let me, let me take a look. There's a process to arrive to live in his glory. I'm, I'm already touching on it. Look at what he said in verse 25. 25. He said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. We, we know he says that about the cross. If you hate your life in this world, in this world, you will keep it for eternal life. Now, does that mean I'm going to hate myself? That's, 
in view of eternal life, I hate my life. In view of eternal life, I hate my life. Come on now. If you gain the whole world, what if what if what Bill Gates, his money, what if you own the whole world? You could laugh at him. And died, you've lost everything. That's the you see, that's the comparison. If you love, the word there is affectionate phileo your life. Boy, I tell you, um, this is about me, my four, no more. Well, if I do that, then then I will abide alone. But if my life falls in the ground and dies, I'm talking about the believer I'm talking about, then that grain of wheat will produce and produce and produce. The Lord added, but then he multiplied. Let me go further real quick. Hate is life. Let me say it again. We're not talking about hating yourself because you can't do that. I mean, that's not God's, that's not in God's vocabulary. But if you compare it, did, did you know you, people go, how long are you going to live in eternity? Forever. How long is forever? I don't know. I never live forever. Anybody here live forever? Nobody recycling, are you? <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because now watch this. If, again, I go back in the book of, of Genesis and, and, and God created man in his likeness and image and gave them one thing. Don't eat of that tree. So there was only one will that he had to deal with other than his own. And that was God said, don't do that. Okay. The devil comes along and says to Eve, did God tell you not to eat of that? Well, Eve said, yeah, he did and told us not to touch it either. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say not to touch it. Eve came up with that. I don't know where she got it. But anyway, you know what happened. Now, they disobeyed one thing and caused the catastrophe in the garden. Now, we're living as believers. We've got my will, the devil's will, and the will of God. You've got to choose. You get to choose. The only way we're going to begin to choose more and more right is dead men don't have rights. I've never seen a board meeting break out in a fight with 10 dead people. I'm, I have never, I've never, I can remember the first time I went to a preacher's meeting, our first year in the ministry in 1967, I thought a fight was going to break out under a tree among some preachers. And I'm thinking, man, I thought these were Holy Ghost sanctified, spirit filled believers. And a fight about to break out among preachers? They were, they were alive. They hadn't died yet. What right do you have as a Christian anyway? Here it is. Here it is. The only right you have is the right to give up the right to yourself. That's the only right I have. I live yet not I. I'm going to tell you, we've got to cross this bridge before we discover where we're going. Because if we don't cross this one, when we get there, the devil will have access to the church that he has now. But if we can cross this bridge, when we get there, the devil can knock, but he can't get in.
So, let, let me kind of wind some of this down anyway. What is, look at verse 27 and 28. Jesus said, Jesus said, it was for this purpose I came. Did you ever, did you ever think about why you're here? I mean, come on, now, how many of you are not here just to breathe air, <laughs> take up space, wear clothes, you know, spend money, eat food? Is that it? No. Your purpose of being on planet, my purpose for being on planet earth is this. Christ in you is the hope of the full manifestation of who God is, what he's done, and what he's doing. But that can't happen until the wheat falls in the ground and makes the choice to die. Let me, let me try to illustrate this before I go much further. I'm just thinking, so I brought them from the truck. I've got keys. In, 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 they fit a number of things at our house and a truck out there and so on and so forth. Okay. If we're not careful, we're, we're like the fellow with the keys. Jesus, all right, Jesus, I know I like chocolate pie and I need to quit, so I'm going to give you that key. Wow. God, God must be impressed. I've quit eating chocolate pie. Then we find another one. Here's another one. Lord, <clears throat> I'm going to give you the key to the bedroom. You know, I've had problems there. I'm going to give you that key. Come on now. Well, now, Lord, I'm going to give you this key here. This is, you know, I teach at Sunday school, and, and here's the key. Before you, know, you keep hunting keys, after a while, the, the, the Spirit of God says, wait a minute, I got a better idea. Just give me all of them. I don't have to give him nothing. He's got it all. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? I go, These, here they are. You take care of that. It belongs to you now. The grain of wheat fell in the ground and died, and now you got the keys. Guess what God can do? Whatever he wants to do. I tell you, there's two things that we grapple with. One is failure. One is success. We grapple with failing because we don't know what to do with failure. But we grapple with success because we don't know what to do with it either. We tend to get proud and think it's us. When, I, when, when June and I started in the ministry, I mean, I don't know. I, it was just the grace of God. I mean, I didn't know nothing. You understand? I, I got saved in 63, and in, in, in June of 67, we're pastoring a church. I don't know nothing. The first book I ever bought in my life other than the Bible was Billy Sunday's sermons about short short tail hair and all. I preached everything in the thing because I didn't know nothing and June can tell you every Sunday I read a scripture gave my testimony how I got saved and that was the sermon I mean it was the same sermon just a different scripture but you know I'd say anybody want to get saved and they did they just started getting saved the church started growing and about August when we did our did the, they did their annual revival they were looking for an evangelist and, and in the board meeting I was in, we say, they were saying, well, I don't know what kind of evangelist we're going to get. Somebody said, well, just let Brother Doc go. Look what kind of job he's doing. I go, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I didn't say it like that, but I, 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 I don't tell you. Yeah. Well, Brother Doc, okay, that's how I'll do it. Started on Sunday night. House, it was, it was about the size of this. And it was packed. 
and preaching, people got saved. Monday night, where, I, where we live, nobody goes to church on Monday night. It was packed. And I'm sitting up in the pulpit. Now, I didn't say this, but it was there. And I remember saying, look out there, Lord. See all them people out there? As if you didn't. You see them out there? Lord, you could have a Billy Graham on your hands. <laughs> Is that pride or what? And I want to tell you, when I said that to Jesus, I didn't have a thought. I heard a voice inside of me. Here's what the voice said. Okay, son, let's see what you can do without me. And I know he didn't, but it was as real as Pastor Jeff is real. He walked right out of my heart, walked right down, sat on the front row and crossed his legs. So I get up to read. Everybody said, and I... I finally, where I spoke, and I couldn't read. Well, I backed up. And I, tried, I looked at poor old June. She's trying to get under a pew. <laughs> and I tried to preach. I couldn't preach. I couldn't read. I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't think. In about 15 minutes, I said the benediction shut out the side door and got away from my church and that congregation as fast as I could, went over to the parsonage, went in the back room and shut the door and fell on my face and said, God, if you ever decided some way, somehow to use me again. I would not be fool enough to think it was me. But he who lives in me is bigger than he who lives in the world. You've got to get past that. If we can get past that, the glory of God is coming back to the bride again. Hallelujah. It won't matter if they... Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a God bless you. So... And, and so that was settled. I mean, dear God, I mean, after all, I wouldn't, I mean, I told him at two o'clock that morning, I'm the biggest fool ever lived to think such a thing as that. It wasn't nothing but just carnal, immature pride. That's all it was. And so we went back on Tuesday night, and they wasn't near the crowd there was on Monday night. I don't blame them. I wouldn't have come back. Because we, we pastored Christ Chapel for, for 35 years. Some Sunday mornings when we drive out of the parking lot, June day, I'd say, you know, if I was a member of Christ Chapel, I would never come back. <laughs> That's the worst preaching I ever heard in my life. Now, that's the other end of the spectrum. But usually, when you think it's a colossal failure, somebody thought it's the greatest thing they ever heard. That just tells you and me, it ain't about you, it's about him. If the grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, God can do with it as he wills. I was, um, well, I'll tell you two stories. I think I told this in, in Dwelling Place, but I'm not sure. Here, six months, could be a year ago now. One morning in, in prayer, I was just simply, um, Jen and I get up usually... <laughs> We slept in one morning here, but June and I usually get up pretty early. She gets even earlier than I. My normal get-up time is 6 to 7. And, and so then we have our time with the Lord, and then we get around to breakfast 8 or 9 o'clock. That's our normal pattern. Well, that morning I had something to do. I have no idea what it was. So I was in my, my, my prayer time, and, and I said, Lord, I, I've, I've got some things I need to do this morning. Can you... I was telling God that. You mind telling God, God, you sit down over. I've got some important things. I, I mean, I didn't say it like that, but when I said that, again, I'm not exaggerating. I heard a voice. 
I didn't have a thought. Now, you probably would not have heard it, but I did. I heard a voice say, son, I love you like my father loves me. Well, when he said that, I was wasted. Already the glory of God had come in that room. And when he said that, it was like, it was like a weight. It was like I was down. I couldn't get up. I, Bill, I couldn't move. I, could, I, was, I was like I was pinned to the floor. I couldn't get up. It was the, that's the, the glory was manifesting in that room. And I don't even know how, remember how long it went on. But anyway, I leave there whenever I left, and I go to breakfast, and, and, and June says, what's wrong? I couldn't even, I couldn't talk. I, I'm going to tell you this. Well, I mean, we used to have people go, where you been? Oh, I've been in the glory. No, you hadn't. You've been in the glory. You ain't doing that, I can tell you right now. I don't think you've been in. You've been in some kind of emotional thing, but when you get into that dimension of glory, you don't prance around and treat, treat it like, you know, little fancy stuff. It's the presence of Almighty God we're talking about. And it took me, I don't know how long, at the breakfast table to ever articulate to her what had just happened in that room back there. How many of you know that this, there's a calling on this house? Let me tell you what it is. This is a Holy Ghost house. It's like this, these pastors right here. It's a house of deliverance and healing and salvation to the lost. But it's a house that carries the glory of God. But in order for that to occur, every grain of wheat will have to fall in the ground and die. I was preaching in Guatemala. I'll never forget it. Never have seen this before. But I was preaching and through an interpreter, of course. And as I was preaching, Jeff, a cloud began to settle over the congregation. I mean, it, it, it was like a white, fleecy cloud. Some of the people in the back, I could hardly see anymore. But the cloud was there. And I'm going, whoa. And so we went on and on. And while the cloud is over the congregation, my interpreter uh, and I, are, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to go on. I mean, how do you go on when the glory of God is settling down on a people in Guatemala? And um, it became obvious that the people sitting out there didn't see what I saw. Because when it was over, I asked my interpreter, did you see that? And they said, yes, I did. As I remember, the interpreter and I was the only one that saw this. But how you know, because your eyes don't see it, doesn't mean it's not present. See? So, so they, come to, they, they, come, they come to Jesus. I, I love that. They come to Jesus. And they say, we, we want to see Jesus. Well, they, they get Jesus. They're looking for you. He said, the time for me to be glorified is now. I prophesied to every Christian in this room, it is time for the glory of God to be released in you, out of you, and through you. But here's what it's going to take. The grain of wheat will have to fall in the ground and die. It's not about, this is what I deserve. I hear them on commercials, so I just... What I deserve 
I want what I deserve. No, you don't. You better go to the mercy seat, that's all I got to say, as we all have. But I am telling you, there is a future for every one of us, and the glory is found where Jesus found it. Now, now let, me, let, let me try to end right here. You know, Jesus, the, the second Adam, I went to Genesis and kind of followed that through. Aren't you glad that he, he's dying on the cross and, and he did die and, and then they, they, they put him in a tomb? And, but your identity is with him. If you're a believer, you identify with Jesus, don't you? When they put Jesus in the tomb, if you identify with him, where were you? In the tomb. That's the gospel. You died with him. You were buried with him. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Uh, I, I, will, I will just pause here for a minute since I got these keys in my hand. For two Sundays at the church we attend, that uh, two Sundays in a row, we, we were not somewhere else, if you believe it or not. Two Sundays in a row, I heard, these, I heard this sound. When I was hearing this sound, the scripture was going through my mind. He rose, when he rose on Resurrection Sunday, he said, I have the keys. Death, hell, and the grave. Two Sundays, I heard keys rattling. <laughs> Too long, we've been, we have, we've been tomb thinkers. Listen, you were back there, but on Easter... On Sunday morning, did you ever think about what was happening between the death and on Saturday? People were crying and disappointed and we didn't know. And They had forgotten that Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> Can you imagine those ladies that went to, that went to anoint his body on Sunday morning? And, and when they got there, the, the stone was rolled away. They didn't roll that stone away to let Jesus out. They rolled it away to let Peter in. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine when Peter walked in there and, and, and there was that wrappings that they'd wrapped him in? I, I mean, like a cocoon, he'd slipped out of it. There, there, there was the face cloth folded like a carpenter would fold it because when he left a carpenter's shop, he would fold that up, put it down on the bench that said, I'll be back in the morning. <laughs> That's what the carpenter would say. I'll be back in the morning. Jesus slipped out of that thing, folded that thing, just to let Peter go. Peter, I'm not here, but I'll be back in the morning. And aren't you glad? Come on now. Aren't you glad when Mary comes up? Oh, where have you laid him? And, 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 then, and then Jesus begins to communicate with Mary. Don't touch me. I've not yet ascended because I'm going to sprinkle the blood of my own life in the eternal tabernacle in heaven. But I'm not there yet, so don't touch me because what I'm going to sprinkle in heaven is totally, absolutely unblemished. There's no sin. There's no carnal nothing in it. So don't touch me yet. And by the way, Mary, find Peter. He's out there somewhere because he blew it. He cursed that he knew me. He denied that he knew me. But you go out there and find him because he's he's crying his heart out. He's heartbroken. But you go, can't you just see that? I can see Mary go, I'm looking for Peter. Why? I've got a message for him. What's the message? 
That listen, the tomb is empty. And the man on the middle cross has said, Peter, Peter, he's alive. He's alive, Peter. And he's sending you word. Here's the word, Peter. He loves you. And he will forgive you. And can't you just see Peter and John? They lied out to that tomb. John was a better runner. And he outran Peter. They ran in that tomb. Peter first. John came later. And can you imagine what Peter felt? And on the day when he's out fishing. Come on. How many of you know when he couldn't figure it all out, he went fishing? Just like we do. But aren't you glad he's out there fishing? And they look on the seashore. My God. And guess what? There's a man down there cooking fish. Hallelujah. And he's cooking them breakfast. And when he realized it was the Lord, he jumped out of that boat and took off to where he was. And then Jesus restored him. Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, Peter, are you a good preacher? He didn't say, preacher, I mean, Peter, are you a good singer? He said, I want one thing out of you, Peter. Will you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Would you be willing to let, and these are my words, would you be willing to be a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die so I can live my life in you and out of you and through you so in the world in which you live, they will fulfill the promise. I want to see Jesus and we'll see him in you. Hallelujah. That's where we are tonight. Praise God. I love it. I love it. And you know the, the neat thing about this? Not only did he walk around on earth for 40 days, then he went back to heaven and sat down. Nobody ever sat down before. Not a priest. Had to redo it. But oh boy, come on now. When Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sat down on the right hand of the throne. Sat down meaning, it's, it's right there. Read Hebrews 1. Sit down. It's over, boys. Nothing else needs to be done. And did you know, he said to those people, you go tarry ye in Jerusalem for 10 days because in 10 days it'll be Pentecost. And I got something up my sleeve. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost with all power and authority in that upper room. Can't you, can't you under, I can see, I've lived that day. I can see, I mean, you had to, you had to know God. You're going to get 10 day prayer meeting. Only people who love God going to stay 10 days praying. 10 days they're praying. And on the, you know, 10 days over, it's over. Now it's 50 days. 50 days is, is nothing in the world but Pentecost. And Luke peeped. They're in the upper room, and all of a sudden, they hear a sound of a wind beginning to blow. Hmm. The wind of what? The wind of the Spirit. And then the fire began to fall. My goodness. Wow. On each one of them. Not just the apostles. Don't get all tangled up here. This was just not on the 12. It was on the 120. Can you imagine what the devil thought? Can, can you imagine when the devil, he thought he had Jesus. Now he's got 120 of them that's got the same Holy Ghost in them that Jesus had in him. And he sent it back to them on planet earth. And so 120 people are going to have the same Holy Spirit residing in them as Jesus had in him. And he breathed upon them and 120 of them began to began to speak with a, with a language they had never learned. It was called the language of the Spirit. And many people go, the only reason for that is that all of those 
14, 16, depends on how you count it. Different languages were there. Every man heard the gospel in his own language. That's the only reason that happened. Is it really? Because Peter stood up right behind him and preached in his own language and 3,000 got saved. It was not a communication problem. It was a witness that heaven has kissed earth again. Hallelujah. And those in that upper room walked out as a grain of wheat in the, in the ground to die. And I'm here tonight because they walked out of that full of the Spirit of God as a dead man walking. And I, I, I want to prophesy over you. God's calling you to be a dead woman and a dead man walking. Hallelujah. It's time you laid down your agenda. It's time I laid mine down and said, Lord, here am I. It don't matter what I want. It don't matter what I desire. I can tell you, you want to you enjoy life, lay it down. Because if you don't, you will live it alone. And you don't want to live alone. And when you do what I'm talking about, it will qualify and position you for the glory of God that's coming to the bride, that's coming down the turnpike for the move of God that's coming. It will position you that pride has no place, no authority, and no right. So God can do whatever he desires. Glory to God. Excuse me for preaching, but I got myself happy. That's where we are. Do you, do you this is a principle. I die, I live. But if I want to live two lives, then I abide alone. We, uh, true story. <laughs> Dr. Dennis Kenlaw, who was the, the uh, president of Asbury College when the revival came. Dr. Dennis Kenlaw. I heard him tell it. Dr. Kenlaw said he was in a camp meeting and altar call was given about like I'm about to give it. And I went forward. He said it took me a while. But under in that old sawdust, finally I made the decision. I'm yours, Lord. When I made the final amen, put the period at the end of the sentence. I walked out from under that old tabernacle. He wasn't anything then. He became the president of Asbury College later. Little did he know that what happened under that old tabernacle, that God would send him to a college to be the president. Little did he know in that college, revival would come under the direction of Dennis Kinlaw that it would affect the entire planet. Little wonder what God's got in mind for you. You'll never know till the grain of wheat dies. You go, so, 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 so how do you do this, Doc? Well, you just plant it. You just put it. And don't dig it up. How many times have I put, I, I said, Lord, I, I give you this. Well, if you're not going to do anything with it, I'll take it back. <laughs> you, you plant it. As a blue, you plant it. Your life. Cover it up. Put a, put, put a tombstone that says, I live, yet not I. The devil comes along and knocks on your, your door. 
He comes to the door and ain't nobody there. And your housekeeper, he says, Where, where's, where's Jeff? He died. He died, yeah. You want me to show where he's buried? You can always take the devil back. I laid it down right here. I'm not going to dig it up. On a Tuesday night at Hosanna, I, put the, I laid this grain of wheat in the ground, put a tombstone over it, and marked the date. My suggestion is tonight, you take your Bible in a minute, take your pen, either or you get home and say tonight, the date today, the grain of wheat, which is my life, fell in the ground and died. From this night on, I am totally, absolutely His. You go, will you ever have another problem? Yeah, of course you will. You know what your reference point is? But I died. <laughs> I walked out in many a cemetery, and I never had a, I never had a fight in a cemetery. Why? It did. But the good thing about that is that you're just burying who you were to live who you are. That's where the glory is. The glory is in you. It's got to get out of you and me, and it don't get out of you and me until there's a death. They, true story. I say this, so, so I want you to know I'm not coming up with illustrations, okay? I didn't read this out of a book. Whether you like this or or not is beside the point. But a number of years ago, in a mall, there was a lady looking for Jerry Savelle. It had been many years ago. And she had never met him, didn't know what he looked like. And she was praying. And she said, Lord, I would like to meet Jerry Savelle, but I don't know what he looked like. I don't know where he's. And, and, and she said, the Lord said, go to that mall, and on whom you see my glory, that's Jerry. Can you imagine that? She's walking through that mall. I don't know how many people are in that mall. And she sees the glory of God on a little short fellow, gray-haired. And the Lord said, that's him. More than I want life itself, I want the world out there that needs him to look at me and see what they said of Jesus. Come on. He was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we beheld His glory as all the only begotten of the Father. Isn't that what you want? I know it is. Because this has to come before the next level. This, most revivals fizzle after a while because we never reach this level. It becomes more experiential rather than going deep and getting root down here so that when the devil tries to destroy it, he can't. Because you can't kill a dead man or woman. They already are. So, what if, what if tonight the Spirit of God would say to you and to me, I'm part of... I do know that I'm supposed to say this to somebody. You're going to have to turn it loose. 
Because if you don't turn this loose, it will get bigger, not smaller. One of, the, one of your major struggles is that you think if you turn it loose, you don't care anymore. You turn it loose because you do care. Cast all your distractions on the Lord. Peter said, for he cares for you. This would be a good night to bury it. Let's pray. I believe tonight, again, is foundational. Just like last night. But tonight, last night we talked about our hunger and thirst. Tonight we're talking about our choice. A choice to be the grain of wheat that would fall in the ground and die. Which means if you don't know the Lord, obviously, first of all, you need to come to Christ. But I'm speaking primarily tonight to believers. And I join. I, 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 I'm number one. I too am a believer. But I have the burden of the Lord tonight to ask you, will you be that grain of wheat? Will you, by your own volition, write it down, tattoo it on your heart, but Thursday night at Hosanna, the grain of wheat fell in the ground and died. Oh, I'm not saying I won't have struggles, but I will go back to this reference point. Tuesday night, I died. And I promise you tomorrow night, God will position you for things to come. Now, when when I say this, please understand, I'm I'm not asking for your response to make me feel good. I'm asking for your sake. And for the days ahead and for the time in which we live, Would you say to God, I volunteer. All I know is, Lord, I signed the bottom of the page and said, I'm yours. Galatians 2.20. Jesus said, my glory and the glorification of my life is in the cross. My last assignment. Your last assignment is this the grain of wheat in the ground, and from there, He'll tell you where to go, what to do, in His own way. I don't mean riding in the sky. I mean your life will be radically different because that will be your reference point. How many with your your eyes closed, your, your heads bowed, and this beautiful old hymn Billy Graham made so famous, but the only way you can come. You, you, you can't come tonight like you wish you were. You have to come like you are. But you lift your hand to God tonight and go, okay, at Hosanna Tuesday night, I am volunteering for the grain of wheat, and I am that grain of wheat to fall in the ground and die. Would you put your hand up to God? Just put it up to God. Put it up. Put it back down. I volunteer. I, I, 
I make a commitment to be that grain of wheat. You know, when you make this kind of quality commitment that you're making, you remember the final, not the final, well, I guess it was the final exam for Jesus. It was Gethsemane. Wasn't it? When he said, Lord, if there's any other way. But there wasn't. Then he, then he, then he nailed it. The battle wasn't won at the cross. The battle was won in Gethsemane. He lived it out on the cross. Lord, it don't matter what I want. It's what you want that counts and that bought. The period at the end of the sentence bought our salvation. And he had to go to the cross and resurrection to obtain it. There's no telling what God will do with you. I can tell you. There's no telling. As you live out your decision tonight. I'm telling you, the revival that's coming down the turnpike, I promise you, you won't miss it. Why? It's because your life has died so that His life can live in you. So I want to pray over you if I could do that and anything else that Pastor Mayor Jeff or some of you guys I just believe tonight is the next point so we can go to this third level, which was, it's, it's, it's just, we'll talk about it tomorrow night. But this had to be. And if you lifted your hand or wanted to, as Harold is preparing, I want you to come and just, just come and stand. We're going to pray over you. We're going to seal your decision. Pastor can come and help me. Jeff can come and help me. And we just want you to come. I want you to seal it. That's all I'm after. I want you to seal something in your heart tonight. I am the grain of wheat falling in the ground tonight to die. Because remember, there's one word we're praying this revival. That's more. See, tonight when you give it all that you know, then you are now eligible for more. That makes plenty of sense to me. Fill my cup, Lord. You can't fill up a cup unless you're under the spout where the water's coming out. And that's what you're doing. You are placing your life under the glory and splendor of God. That's what you're doing.